It is a new day, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. I am blessed to fellowship with you as we spend the next few moments hearing the word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is your moment to receive life and bring in the message of life as our friend and our teacher, Pastor Josh. Today, I want us to look at one angle of this subject matter. Sometimes, the best way to know how to do something is to know how not to do it. I want us to look at what does it mean, what is it like to fall from pride? Because we have said that the opposite of humility is pride. So if you want to live a life of humility, then avoid pride. So if you don't live in humility, you are walking in pride. So what does it mean to fall from pride or to fall into pride or to be plagued by the error of pride? We want to look at it, examine it very, very closely. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse number 18 to 19. And here you saw Paul was talking, addressing this subject matter about those. He said, now some are puffed up. Some are puffed up. What does it mean to be puffed up? To be puffed up means to be walking in arrogance, in pride. And it comes out in the words of your mouth. It comes out in your appearance, in your outlook. He said, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. He said, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know. Let me talk about if the Lord wills. There was a man of God, big man of God now, is a Ghanaian, and when he was starting out in ministry, he went to buy some musical instruments. And when he got to the shop, the shop was owned by a Jewish businessman. And so he took the cost price and everything, and he said, oh, I will come tomorrow, I will come tomorrow. And the Jewish rabbi looked at him and chastised the pastor. He said, why are you saying, I will come tomorrow, I will come tomorrow, like it's your strength that you are going to use to come tomorrow. It was a much older, experienced man. He said, no, you don't say like that. Said, you will say, by the grace of God, I will come tomorrow. By the grace of God, we'll come and buy this tomorrow. By the grace of God, we don't say, I will come. I will come as if it's you. Say, by the grace of God. Because, you know, you can sleep. Who sleep yesterday? They didn't wake up today. And they had plans all lined up for today. They had plans all lined up for the remainder of this month. And today, there are no more. As you are speaking, some got into their car to drive to the church. They didn't make it to the church. They didn't make it to the sanctuary. But I will come to you shortly. If the Lord wills. Do you know why you are sitting here now? It is because the Lord has willed it. It is the mercy of the Lord that we are not consumed. Do you know when people sleep all kinds of evil. Angels of death are going all over the place. Looking for doors of homes that are open and not secured. To go into those homes and cause damage. But it is the Lord. When the enemy came in, the enemies came in like a troop. But the Lord delivered you from all their antics and all their evil arrows and all their evil expectations. You are alive today by the grace of God. You are not alive because of the multivitamins you take. You are not alive because you eat balanced diet. You are not alive because you have the best medical. In fact, it is proven that those who have medical, many of them die even more than people who don't have medical. Because when you go to the doctors, the way America is, go, they will look for something to tell you. You can't come back empty-handed. They must look for one thing. And so we need more Christian medical doctors, more, that can look at you Touch you with holy hands, sanctify hands, 
Even when there are some things as his laying hands, the things they are disappearing. The blood pleasure, everything is normalizing. We need more Christian medical doctors. They will look for something to tell you. So you are alive today, not because you have the best blue cross and blue sheet. Did I get that right? You are alive today by the mercies of the Lord. Someone say, by the mercies of the Lord. If you are not even alive because you can pray, it's not your prayer. It's the mercies of God. Many prayer warriors are dying. In fact, I just heard, man of God just told me one. Last week, somebody who decided to fast for 21 days. He was fasting dry. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Dry. No water. And by the 15th day, he was looking pale. And one senior pastor, because he was trying to go and start a ministry. And so he was trying to do it like it's his fasting. That we, I've done 21 days fast a couple of times. People have done it here who are not pastors. But we do it with wisdom and understanding. There are some of people who have to talk, stop that fast. Stop it. Because I know what God has put in my heart. That this person is going down. I said, stop it now. Go eat. And they will stop the fast. The 15th day, the pastor told him that, hey, he was looking very pale. He said, no, no, it is well. It is well. He died by the 19th day. What year was that? No, just last year. La- last year. It happened last year in Cameroon. By the 19th day, the man died. Fasting. Praying. But without wisdom. In ignorance. So, it's not your prayer. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. You have to understand that. Hallelujah. He said, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know, not the word of those who are puffed off, but the power. Being puffed up is being prideful. The best example, we can use many examples. Is it error you want to talk about? Who did not give glory to God? And immediately was struck down and was eaten by maggots immediately. Or is it Nebuchadnezzar, a ruler of a whole kingdom, who was humble to the point that he became like an animal and lived amongst animals for seven years. But thank God that the mercy of the Lord preserved him and preserved his kingdom. And when he still came back, he came to meet his kingdom intact. Oh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh. I've never seen someone like Pharaoh. And arrogant. Somebody was saying that, but it is God's will to use him for a particular example. True. But that weakness was already in him. Okay, look at it. One man comes with a stick in hand and everything he says concerning that land happens. He touches the water, he becomes blood. You are not afraid. Even not for yourself, but for the people. And sometimes the man of God asks, when do you want me to reverse this trend? Pharaoh will not say today, we'll say tomorrow. So was it that he was enjoying the whole thing or what? Moses went to him, let my people go. He said, Jehovah said, should let my people go. He said, who is that your God? Listen, don't say that is Pharaoh. Many of you hear many Pharaohs every day. When you say come to church, they'll say, who, what church are you talking about? Who is that your God? What has that God done for you? They are challenging you. They are sticking their burning dry fingers into your eyes, challenging. Who is that your God? Who is that your God? Is Pharaoh, is the spirit of Pharaoh. Is it Abimelech? Symbol of wickedness. We have to look at it from what does it mean to fall into this spirit of pride? What are the consequences? 
What are the consequences? Look at Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 23. Give me the New King James Version. Proverbs 29 and verse 23. King James Version actually says that a man's pride shall bring him low. He said a man's pride will bring him low. A man's pride. A woman's pride. You know? A man's pride. A woman's pride will bring him low. He said, but the humble in spirit, the humble in spirit, we do what? We retain honor. With honor. A man's pride. I don't care how far you have gone. I don't care how far the business has gone. I don't care how far the ministry has gone. Once pride is in place, ultimately, that ministry is going down, that business is going down, that family is going down. That is why you used to hear of some names 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Today you look for them. They are not dead. They are still alive. But they are gone. They have disappeared into irrelevance. A man's pride, we bring him low. We bring him low. So look at all the scoffers. Look at all the arrogant people all around you, men and women. It's a matter of time they are going down. They are going down. There's no prayer that can save them except they reverse themselves, except they change their way, except they cling to the cross of Calvary and be saved and be delivered. Glory to Jesus. So what are some of the different outcomes of pride? Number one, I take you from Jeremiah chapter 49 and verse 16. Talk to your neighbor by your left hand or your right hand and say, Jeremiah 49 and verse 16. And look at it. He said, your fierceness has deceived you. Your fierceness has deceived you. He said, the pride of your hearts, all you who dwell in the cleft of the rock, who hold the height of the hill, though you make your nest as high as the eagle, he said, I will bring you down from there, says the Lord. I don't think there is any of you who have ever seen the nest of an eagle. Because the eagle goes way far. It looks for the highest rock around. Where you can't access. That is where it goes to. To build his, his nest. It's not like any kind of nest that you see in your houses. On top of trees. It goes to the highest mountains. To build his nest there. It can't be better than that. And yet the Bible is saying that. No matter how far. No matter how high. There was a man, a politician, in Brazil. He was running for an election. He said, even God can't stop me from winning this election. He said, even God can't stop me. He said it. The media, everybody carried it. He was arrogant. He said, even God cannot stop me from winning this election. Do you know what? He was right. He was right. He won the election. Square and clear. He won the election. But the day before the inauguration, he died. He won the election. But a night before the inauguration, to be sworn in as a president, he died. There was a politician in his early stages. He took his time to fight Christianity. He was sinking boats, carrying Bibles. He was a big publisher of a major newspapers. The name of the newspaper started with C. And it was full-blown attack on Christianity at the earlier stages. He did it and he thought that was it. Guess what? Years after, he came. Now he was not very popular, very rich, very successful. And he was a good man. He was the beloved from the north to the south, from the west to the east, 
through the length and breadth of Nigeria, everybody loved him. And when he ran for an election, everybody voted for him. And he won. Clear. But guess what? The military government, they annulled the election. And when he started talking, pe -pe 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 -pe, they told him stop. He didn't stop. Guess what? They took him. They put him in prison. To cool off. He didn't cool off. Something was happening. Then one day, he drank a cup of tea and he died. That was the end of the story. People demonstrated. June 12. We stand on June 12. We stand on June 12. The person who killed him, all of them, they are still alive. But him, they sent him to his early grave. But the truth of the matter, earlier, he was digging the grave for himself. Who is that God? To fall into pride is to be brought down from the highest to the lowest. To be brought down from the highest to the lowest. Uh, the other example you can use is Pharaoh. Look at Pharaoh. Pharaoh was blinded by pride and by hatred for the children of Israel to the point that agriculture in the country was destroyed. The economy was vanquished. And it was seen like this. His military, they went into the Red Sea and he saw the sea come together and swallow the military. Under his eyes, he saw tested war soldiers were all killed and he saw the waves of Red Sea bringing corpses back to the bank one after the other. He was reduced from the most powerful president or king of a powerful country to a country without an army, to a country without an economy, to a country without agriculture. How pride can bring somebody from the highest down to the lowest. That was the story of Pharaoh. So that's number one. Number two, to fall into pride is to have your heaven turned into iron and your earth turned into... I'll give you the scripture for that, okay? But the point is, when people fall into pride, it turns their heaven into iron. Listen, go and look at the lives of many prayer warriors. Some of the most arrogant people you can find are prayer warriors, not pastors. That's why in this church, we don't have prayer warriors. I just call people together and we pray. Because it comes to a time, they even think that they are the ones responsible for what is going on in the church. And go and look at many of them. Many of them are broke and they are struggling. They pray for people, things happen. But they themselves, they are struggling. Their heavens has turned to iron. 26, 19. He said, I will break the pride of your power and I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. <laughs> he said, and your strength shall be spent in vain for your land shall not yield its produce nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. But specifically that verse 19, I will break the pride of your power. I will break the pride. God hates Pride. He hates it. He hates it. He hates it. God forbid. It's better to be a, a robber, an arm robber, than to be proudful, to be full of pride. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. There was a pastor I met in this land. And I say this by the grace of God. Pastor, this man, I knew that this man prayed more than me. Pastor. This man was a Pharisee pastor. 
I can be sure that if the guy mistakenly step on ants, he will fast seven days for stepping on ants. The guy fasted more than you. I met him in this land. But there was just one problem. I remember one time he met one of our members, trying to make the members, I remember, to come to his church. I said, no, I attend Miracle Center. He said, oh, that church? He said, that's like a toy in the sight of our own church. He said, said, Miracle Center is like like a toy. That's what the pastor said in this city with his mouth. And guess what? From the moment he said that, the few members he had, they began to come from his church to join this church. Because you know what God does? He gives grace to the humble and the proud he brings down. He resists the proud. All the members, even his highest title, that one vexed in the spirit. She came. He said, Pastor, I've been looking for this man to give my tithe. I don't see him for like two weeks now. I said, go, go and try. Okay, put it in his mailbox. I wasn't, yeah, I told her. And she went and put. He said, I'm tired of the, I'm t- the biggest title. And I said, I said, okay, go and tell him you are leaving. He now went, look, look, he didn't, uh, anyway. He now joined us. This man was more prayerful. Fasting machine. The ministry is known for fast. Prayerful. But very proud and arrogant. You know what happened? He shut that church down. The last I heard, he went to a nearby town to go and open the church there. Because they don't know him there. When you are proud, the earth becomes like iron. You are praying. There's no open heavens. The prayers are not penetrating. Did you ever remember the story of those two people who were praying? By the streets, the publican and the sinner man. The publican said, oh, I fast twice a week. I tithe. I do this. I do that. The sinner said, oh, have mercy upon me. So have mercy upon me. I know I'm a sinner. Whose prayers were answered? The sinner man's prayer was answered. Humility. But the other one came on the strength of what he was doing. I fast twice a week. Sometimes fasting can become an idol to you as a person. You have faith in the fasting than in God. It's not the fasting that does anything. It's God that does it. The fasting positions you so you can receive from God. But there are people, they can't go to the pulpit because they have not fasted three times a week. No. And I've seen most craziest miracle happen without me fasting. And sometimes I go 14 days fast, fast, fast and come. And I pray, nothing happens. And I'm, I'm annoyed. I say, what is it? But I prayed. So God is only just trying to tell me that it's not the fasting. That is God. Before the fast, during the fast, and after the fast. Hallelujah. But fasting is good for spiritual exercise. For bodily exercise profits little. But spiritual exercise profits you in the long run. You build stamina. You break yokes. Hallelujah. Speedily, your health springs forth. Fasting is good. But that is not why God does what he does. When people fall into pride, they have a closed heaven. They have a closed heaven. They have even knowledge of scriptures. There are people, because they know too much Bible, pastor. Even when you are preaching, they say, okay, pastor should use this scripture. Pastor, they don't balance that scripture well. Well, you know, pastor, well, pastor is coming. He's coming up. Pastor is coming up. He's pride. Those are signs of pride. Oh, pastor should have used this example. Pastor should have used this thing. Hey, it's pride. It's pride. 
And when you have that, there will be a closed heaven. That's why anybody who wants to receive from God must become like a child. You just received like a child. Come to church every Sunday like you don't know anything. To receive. To receive. Anybody you meet here, receive. So long they are not telling you anything different from the Bible, you receive. Hallelujah. Number three. To fall into pride is to be brought down to a place where you do not seek God again. And many of you have seen people like that. Psalms 10 and verse 4. When you seek God in prayer and in fasting, it's a mark of dependence. It shows that you submit to God, that you believe in God. But when people have gone far, even if you invite them to church, they say, well, what church? If you say, let's pray, they say, mm, we'll pray. what has prayer done for you? They're no longer seeking God. At that point, know that they have fallen into pride and it has dragged them too far. Number four, when you fall into pride, this happens. It leads to isolation. Isolation. Somebody say isolation. Somebody say isolation. Let me ask you a question. Is there anybody here out of you who likes a proud and arrogant person? If you like an arrogant person, a proud person, raise up your hand. Nobody. Even the non-Christians, they don't like proud people. They don't like arrogant people. They don't like arrogant people. They don't like them. They are always isolated. They just find out that they are by themselves. A scripture for that, Psalm 12 and verse 3. Look at it. Psalm 12 and verse 3. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. Okay, flattering lips. It means guys who are making bogus promises to girls. You know, I will take care of you. I will take care of you. That's all you have to tell the lady. I thought the lady would say amen. Yeah. Well, the ladies cannot say amen because sometimes they enjoy the lies. They like the lies. They know it's not true. But they choose to believe it. They live in the moment. May you never live in the moment. I said, may you never live in the moment. Somebody say, I will take care of you, take care of you. You look at the person, have you taken care of yourself? <laughs> I heard a story of one sister. She moved all the way from Maryland to come to Oklahoma. The guy rap her, rap her over the Facebook or whatever. Rap her. You know rap, you know rap, right? Just pooped sugar in her ears. And she packed all her stuff from Maryland and came to Oklahoma. Error. Somebody say error. Somebody say, what a shock. Only to find out that now the guy, <laughs> the guy was CNA and he was living in a, an apartment with three other people. He didn't even have an apartment and he was able to sugar wrap and sugar wrap and bamboozle and daze a girl who was a registered nurse all the way from Maryland. And the girl drove two days, packed all her property to come to Oklahoma City. Only to find out the guy is a CNA. Oh my God. Sugar rap. <laughs> Amen. What a shock. There's a way you catch those kind of people. You just say, um, it's like, it's like, no, you come and meet me that you want to play me for one night. It's very easy. You tell me I will do this, I will do that. If I put, you have 500,000, $1 million. I say, okay. So how much do you want from me? See, well, I just need you to pay like 15000 to this account to activate this. I said, okay, okay. Actually, that 15000 I have it. Actually, I have 22000 But it's in Houston. 
So I need money for flights to go to Houston. To go to Houston so that I can move the money. I can come. I have to go and come. So I need like first class. Okay, well, like $500. So give me $500. So I will go and take the $15,000 and put. That's how you handle it. They will disappear. <laughs> so a guy comes like that. You say, okay. You say, oh, you know, I'm short now. I'm about to move. I'm building. I have a building project. So right now I'm short. Can you just put like 3000 in my account first? I'll give it back three weeks' time. The guy will disappear. But it's very unfortunate. The girls in America, once you just say, I love you, they'll start shaking. <laughs> to fall into pride is to be turned into a fool. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. The tongue that speaks proud things. They are alienated. They are often isolated. They are isolated in their mansions. They, God has blessed them. But they don't have people to help them enjoy the riches. Even if some people go and follow them, enjoy the riches, they come out and still curse them out in the process. Say, look at you foolish man. I just came to take my own portion. They are always isolated. Proud people are isolated. Go and look at it. And you can know some of them on Facebook. Proud people. There are people who can use five pages to make one statement. Five pages. They use five pages. And a wise man can use two sentences and poo-poo those five pages. Two sentences. Because they are trying to prove. They are always trying to prove. They are always trying to prove that they are intellectual. No. A wise person can just use one or two statements. Make his point. There was a time I made a comment. It was not accidental. It was very intentional. All I did, I just wrote on Facebook. I said, may you never offend somebody who does not have the capacity to forgive you. And everywhere cooled off. If you offend Pastor Joshua, I can yeah. One day, I moved on. That's why most of the things people do me, I don't even tell my wife. You know, women, there are things you tell them. They will take it to another level. And they will follow it up. I hear what I'm saying. So you disrespect my husband. He won't tell you. He will fight you with body language and everything. It's in the nature of a woman. Things don't finish easily. Somebody said, mercy. I've been telling you years, years. Even if you have a fellowship, intense fellowship with your wife, and you say to yourselves, he doesn't finish that day. It will not finish the second day. You have settled, but you have not settled. It may take three, four days before the thing clear out of the system. She's still moving and banging the dog. Ah! <laughs> she's still cooking and giving you food. She's doing everything she's supposed to be doing. But it has not finished. A wise man, you must have information management. It's not everything you want to tell your wife. Hey, my wife, do you know what my brother said about you? My brother said you're a very wicked woman. She'll say, eh, what else did he say? Eh, what else? Tell me, tell me more. It's okay. You know, no, I don't want to tell you my upset. No, me upset. I can never be upset. Tell me more. Several years after, she'll still be holding up against her, your brother. See, there are things you don't say. Me? You offend me? One day, it's out of my system. I don't want something that will block my prayers. I moved on. Hallelujah. Proud people are always isolated. 
they are always isolated. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I didn't read it. I've seen it. They'll be running. Nobody's pursuing them. Isolated. They'll go to gathering. Every other person is from the church. You see them by themselves staying there. If you talk of church, they'll freeze. When you talk generally, they'll talk. <laughs> okay, what is pursuing you? They are always isolated. Number five, to fall into pride is to be turned into a fool. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 3. That is the punishment for becoming proud. A dose of foolishness is injected into that man or that woman. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 3. Says, In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride. So look at every fool you see. There's a rod of pride in their mouth. Have you not seen people? They have nothing. Can't eat. They are more complicated than the rich people. You know, I've been saying it for years. The life of rich people is very simple. See, rich, it's okay. It's all right. You didn't mean it that way. It's okay. Let's all get along. All right, no problem. Okay, I moved the five million into your account. No problem. It's okay. I forgive you. But poor man. The poor man will tell you. It is the principle of the matter. When I say something, I've said it. They'll tell you, even if my father comes from the grave, I can't change my mind. You will know that this is proud. A man was in my office last week or two weeks ago. He's in the city here. And he was telling me that everybody knows me that I'm a rebel. He said, everybody knows me that I'm stubborn. This is a man who is in the 60s. I said, listen. I said, when God makes you a father, I said, fathers don't scatter people. I said, fathers gather. A father is like a marketplace. You know, in the marketplace, the good, they go to the market. The bad, they go to the market. The mentally retarded, they go to the market. The wicked, they go to the market. I said, the father brings people together. The father don't scatter people. And if you say you are a father now, at this your age, you shouldn't be acting like this. They say, Pastor, you are the only one who can tell me this kind of thing. He said, but you are right, you are right. I said, stop. I said, slow down. Not every time you hold your phone, you send all kinds of stupid things to me and to other people. Divisive things. I say, you have my brother age. You should be thinking of how to put your house in order now, at this age. In your 60s, pursuing 70s. Gadra. Gadra. Call this one. Oh, sorry. Don't mind what she said. Call this one. Oh, sorry. You need to see the way I said to husbands and wife. I will deal with them separately first before I bring them together. In begging the woman, sometimes you can step on the man. In begging the man, you step on the woman. So you are this one's feelings, you are this one's feelings. Then when they come together, you take a middle ground approach, you bring them together, and you step out. Because when they are fighting, there are things they want to hear. When the woman is fighting, there are things she wants to hear. When the man is fighting, there are things he wants to hear. So give the man own, give the woman own, bring them together, settle, then you move on. Life is good. Somebody say life is good. So foolishness. You see, God's punishment for pride is to turn that person into a fool. Look at it now. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride. But the lips of the wise will preserve them. They will begin to act foolishly. The things they were not doing before, they begin to do those things. And you were like, where did this come from? It's as a result of pride. Number six, to fall into pride is to go into captivity. Jeremiah 13 and verse 17. The way you look at this, you can look at it literal. Literally, you see a lot of people, they don't come, they don't submit to God until they get to prison. Hello? Many big men in Africa, they don't serve God until they get to prison. 
And when you get to prison, you are forced to serve God. That is why the prison ministry is very, very important. It's very, very important. Some of the best Christians you can find are in the prison. They're in the prison. So literally can be in prison or prison as in captivity, as in spiritual bondage. Once somebody is walking in pride, the door is open for the forces of darkness to come in and pull them into spiritual bondage. Spiritual bondage. Spiritual bondage. You see many of those leaders in Africa, they've stayed for 10 years. They've stayed for 20 years. Some have stayed for 30 years. And now the people are revolting. Say, it is time to just go away. And they say no. And then sometimes, some international observers will come. Elder statesmen. There are elder statesmen. You know what I'm talking about? They come together. Maybe former heads of state or known people. And they come to try to broker peace. And they say, okay, Mr. President, you'll be here for 40 years. Why don't you just go away? No questions asked. Go and live in so-and-so country. Live in opulence. Live in prosperity. And enjoy a peaceful life till you die. And guess what they all say? They say no. You saw it in Mobutu Seseko. You saw it in Gaddafi. You saw it in Iraq. Saddam Hussein. And so many, and so many, and some are still there. Some are still there now. Go. You have enough money. Just go. They say no. Because they have never envisaged a life out of power. They thought that the army that has been keeping them like Pharaoh, that the same army that has been preserving them from that time, we keep on preserving them. They are living delusions. They are deluded. Elites to spiritual bondage. Pride leads to spiritual bondage. Jeremiah 30, 17. But if you will not hear it, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. We weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the lost flock has been taken captive. The lost flock. The lost flock has been taken captive. Why? Pride. Somebody say pride. pride. You say pride, yeah. It's a stubborn Someone who is full of pride, who will leave the safety and the protection of the shepherd and jump over the fence and say, no, I want to do it my own way. <laughs> and you look at those things and you laugh because you know how it will end. Number seven. We are going to number eight. So number seven. When people walk in pride, they always stumble. They don't walk straight, they stumble. You see them. They are plagued with the spirit of error from one error to the other. From one error to the other. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 31 to 32. Jeremiah 50, verse 31 to 32. Behold, I am against you, O most holy one. That's a prideful person. Says the Lord God of hosts. For your day has come, the time that I will punish you. Verse 32. The most proud shall stumble and fall. When people are walking in pride, they walk in error. They always stumble. They'll be making all kinds of mistakes, all kinds of mistakes from error to error, from error to error. They'll be saying things they're not supposed to be saying. They'll be offending those they're not supposed to offend. They'll be doing things they're not supposed to do. You see them. They will say everything they think. Once somebody is saying everything he thinks, the person is walking in error. Because a reasonable man or woman should not say everything she thinks. So when you hear people say, I just like to say it the way it is. I just like to say it the way it is. It's foolishness. You just be stumbling. I've been not seeing people. They go to interview. They get everything right. 
Before they leave, they just say something, one wrong thing. And then people say, you hear back from us. I never hear again. They will offend the professor. Maybe the way they offend the professor, maybe some, some body language. Or, you know, some, I don't know. Error, error, error. A man has decided to marry you. Then all of a sudden, you start acting all crazy. The most proud shall stumble and fall, and no one will raise him up. He said, I will kindle a fire in his cities, and it will devour all around him. Number eight, to fall into pride is to be condemned by the devil. You know the devil can condemn somebody. You know that, right? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. I was shocked when I saw this. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. Take it from verse 4. Okay, verse 3. He said, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. Verse 5. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? You know, this ruling we are talking about, it's not lordship. It's not lordship. Pastor, the next time you come, I will give you opportunity to speak to the men. Because sometimes when you have a church like this, people think that you are talking to them. They are just some basic things. When was the last time you shout at your wife? Shout, like scream at her. Get away, idiot. Is that, is that how to husband a wife? Your wife should see you and she'll be afraid. Is that, is that supposed to be? No. Your wife, that your wife will see you and she'll be peeing in her pants. That's messed up. That's messed up. What a shock! You travel, your wife will be praying that you should stay there. They stay. What a shock. And if you are not married yet, don't say anything as a man until you marry. You will know because they will really press your button. Your button will be pressed and extended. And it takes real men to be able to hold up and stay to the very end. It takes real men. A boy can marry. It's only a man that, that can keep marrying. February 14th is coming now. All kinds of people will marry. By February 20, they'll be looking for divorce. Amen. Hallelujah. There are some things you should give to your wife that she can never get any other place in the whole world. What a shock. You are coughing, eh? I'm just saying, as vice versa, there are some things you give to your husband. It can just be respect. You know what I'm saying? Maybe the way you give him food. Or when he's angry, the way you respond. Or you're quick to forgive him. You just go to him. I forgive you all your sins. <laughs> but the ones I know and the ones I don't know. <laughs> you know that's deep. Every woman, go to your husband. Say, I forgive you all your sins. Both the ones I know and the ones I don't know. Because sometimes the one you don't know is more. But every boy can marry. It takes a man to, to keep marrying. Our daddy there has been married for over 40 years. And listen, the two of them, they still act like boyfriend and girlfriend. I know what I'm saying. Because I'm close to the family. In fact, their daughter is even embarrassed sometimes. One sister... The parents are coming this year. So we were not counseling her on how to be prepared before they come. 
Because if you think these guys are old people, and some things are not going down, you are joking. <laughs> what a shock. I said, what a shock. So basically, he, she was advising her that if you know what is good for you, look for a way quick and get a bigger apartment. Because those fathers and mothers, they don't joke. <laughs> They've been married for 40-something years. <laughs> you know the truth of the matter? I'm going to close with this because I love you. I'm enjoying some mysteries. Right? I'm enjoying some mysteries now that I didn't enjoy two years, three years into the marriage. I'm operating in some realms. Let me leave it like that. I mean, about speaking tongues. When you are going home speaking tongues, you get interpretation. I'm exploring, enjoying some realms I didn't enjoy when I was three years into marriage or four years. So, it should be the, the longer it is, like a wine, the stronger, the better. Stand up. That's enough. Yes and amen. Indeed, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe that you have been truly blessed to receive more copies of this message and other messages by Pastor Josh. Please call 405-418-6222 or visit us online at www.okcmc.tv. If you are within the area, come worship with us at the Miracle Center, 6051 North Brookline Avenue, Suite 133, Oklahoma City. Stay blessed and stay connected.